Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Leave it to baseball to water down the playoff field in an attempt to keep things interesting through the final day, only to have that idea fail as well because, because baseball. Because pretty much all their ideas fail. So, no drama today. Luckily, though, there was drama last night. In fact, I'd go as far as to say, of all the dramatic things, of all the dramatic things that I've, I've ever, ever seen, seen in baseball, of all the dramatic things that I've ever seen in baseball, I have to admit, this was pretty freaking dramatic. Here's the 1-1. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger hitting 61 and 61. And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run, the most home runs any American leaguer has hit in a single season. And the American League has been alive for 120 years. This is Judgment Day. Case closed. <laughs> of all the dramatic things. Of all the dramatic things. WFAN. The only thing missing from that was Wade Boggs riding out on a horse. That would have been dramatic. Case of beer under one hand, under one arm. He's got the reins of the horse in the other. You know, we've had some fun over the years with the Yankee broadcast booth and Ionic John Sterling. Ionic. I've had a hell of a lot of fun with him, with them. But I got to admit, Sterling had himself a night, right, on WFAN. And why the hell not? He's right. He's right about all of that. The babe. That is right. The babe did have 60 in 27. The Jolly Roger did hit 61 in 61. And now exactly 61 years later, Aaron Judge is sitting on 62. And Sterling himself is sitting on 84. So credit where credit is due, give it to the man. Sure, he's butchered a few calls over the years, but he pretty much nailed that one. Speaking of credit where credit is due, does this not make Judge the legitimate, the legitimate single-season home run champ. Let's not get into that just now. Because last I checked, unfortunately, unfortunately, 73 is still more than 62, even if 73 belongs to Bearoid, the bloated, balcoed, balloon-headed roid monster. Like it or not. Personally, I don't give a damn. Personally, I'm not going to get all worked up about a bunch of dudes shooting up from a different era and how to view them. This isn't about Bearoid. This moment is not about Bearoid. It's about Aaron Judge. What I'm saying is, for just once, it would be nice to appreciate a dude doing something absolutely amazing without trying to determine who had a needle hanging from their ass back in the day. Can we not just focus on what a guy just did? Can we not just give this guy his moment? 
Because after the Yankees lowball judge, he just went out and broke a sacred record and had the greatest prove-it season ever. So go ahead, Albie. Give this guy his due. Give him his moment and roll it once again. That's the Yes Network. Chalk, you're beaming over there like you're this guy's dad, like he's your 8-foot-11 son. What a New Yorker, dude. Look at Chalk over there. Pretty hilarious that the Yankees picked this time. I love that the Yankees picked this time and this guy to be, quote, fiscally responsible with. And he responded with an F-U year that's going to get you or him his F-U money. The only question is, who is going to give it to him? The Yankees or somebody else? Because somebody will. Somebody will, regardless of whether or not this guy is 8 foot 11 and 30 something. And we know what happens when you give enormous contracts to guys who were 8 foot 11 and 30 something. I get that. I understand that's their reasoning. I'm just saying it's going to come back and bite them because now either they pay him a whole hell of a lot more than they would have paid him if they got this thing done earlier or they watch this 8 foot 11 30 something guy walk to somebody else and get his money because he's going to get his money. So they can tell themselves, yeah, but but what about Albert Pujols? What about him? What's that got to do with you, Yankee ownership? Because Judge is going to get his. Because he just had the greatest walk year ever. And he's going to get his once again by shoving it up the Yankees' ass. By making them pay a lot more than they would have. Or by shoving it up their backside by going to somebody else and having them pay him. The guy just went on a 161-game revenge tour against his own front office. And the beauty to me of the revenge tour is this. He went on this revenge tour without ever once complaining, raising his voice, making it about himself, throwing off any bad vibes at all, or leaving clumps of red hair on home plate from the stress of chasing the record like Roger Maris did back in the day. I mean, I'm not even sure this cat has a pulse. All of that and the Yankees offered an extension this offseason that would have made him the 15th, 15th highest paid player in baseball. They offered him George Springer money. No offense to George Springer, but that dude's never going to touch 60 bombs or an AL MVP. He'll be lucky if he ever hits 30 ever again. Meanwhile, Judge is a homegrown Yankee. He's a consummate Yankee, a consummate pro, a consistent terror at the plate. A pretty underrated defender, by the way, whose primary position this year was center field. When was the last time you saw a guy going 8 foot 11 patrolling center field and doing it pretty well? 8 foot 11, and he stole more bases than Springer this year. And again, not to bag on Springer, I'm just comparing contracts or offers. It's just to point out how horrendously the Yankees undervalued their own superstar, their own icon. 
the bomber brass humiliated themselves with that offer this offseason. Don't talk to me about them being fiscally responsible. Since when? Since now? (laughs) Since now with this guy? And then Judge went out there every single day of the regular season and humiliated them on the field without saying a single word. All class. All dignity. It really is one of the funniest things ever. One of the best things ever. And an easy thing to root for. Even if you love the Yankees, you had to love every single second of this Judge Rampage. And if you hate the Yankees, you really had to love every single second of this Judge Rampage. I mean, listen to Arlington of all places. Listen to Arlington go absolutely crazy for this dude last night. Everybody in that park wanted to see that happen. Everybody everywhere wanted to see that happen. So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it. 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and it's clean on your skin and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know, you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. You know who really want to see that happen? Well, I mean, everybody. But nobody more so than that dude who jumped the railing trying to get to the baseball. That was incredible. Can't knock the hustle. I mean, I hope dude is okay. But it was worth the shot. Shooters shoot. I see you working, player, even if it didn't work. I guess that answers the question, what would you do for a couple of million bucks? That? (laughs) Pretty much everything? Again, I see you working, even if it didn't work. Because the guy who actually ended up with number 62 caught it clean. He reached up, he snagged a few mil right out of the Arlington air. Now, do you remember that kid? The kid who caught number 60. And then did the most innocent, yet frankly, naive thing ever. And you could argue that he did the, quote, right thing. If you're going to argue that that kid did the right thing, you're a much better human being than I'll ever be. That kid gave number 60 back to the big fella, right? Remember this kid? If you may, Adam Judge, what would you say to him? I don't know. i just try anything to come back next year, help the heart and soul of the ball club. Wait, 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 before you go, do you have any expectations about catching the ball and receiving something in return? No, just wanted to give him, give him back his test story. So any way I could get back to judge, give him so much to the organization, just do my part. Holy crap. Time man of the year. 
do my part. Uh, time, man of the century. Human being of the universe. This guy is so much more committed to judge than Yankee ownership will ever be. This guy's like, Aaron, here's the ball. Please don't go. Please don't leave. Incredible. I mean, I still can't believe that. That kid was willing to give up more for Aaron Judge than the Yankee front office. I mean, run the, run the numbers on that. In relative terms, what do you think that ball is worth? And then what do you think it's worth to that kid's life? And then what do you think it would be worth to the Yankees to sign that guy? Again, walk around money to the Yankees, even at 300 mil. But to that kid, what's a million dollars worth? I don't know, his whole life? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Money's not everything. No, but when you're 20 and you probably have none and somebody dangles a million bucks in front of you, don't tell me money can't buy everything or money doesn't mean everything. A million. Minimum. Anyway, he showed up the Yankee front office even worse than Judge did because he clearly wants Judge there way more than they do. But if we're all being honest, frankly... How much worse is it going to be if Judge walks and that guy's got nothing to show for it but a signed bat? It's a big mistake, man. I hate to say it. Like, nothing but respect, young man. You are a better human being than 99.99999% of us are. But 100% more naive than the rest of us, too. Anyway, this time... This time, the dude who caught number 62 is not a Yankee fan. His name is Corey Yeomans. He works in finance. Yeah, this guy's no Yankee fan. He's a businessman. So we since found out that he's a VP at a pretty large investment firm. So this dude knows value. This dude knows what time it is. This dude is well aware that he reached up and he snagged a lottery ticket last night. Check out how different this exchange was between him and the guys asking the questions once the cameras ran him down in the concourse. What are you going to do with the ball, Corey? It's a good question. I haven't thought about it. You sure you haven't. Give it back to Aaron. Get his phone number so he can Sorry to jump on that, but the what are you going to do with the ball? Are you going to keep it or give it back to Aaron? You have to love the crickets. What are you going to do with the ball, Corey? It's a good question. I haven't thought about it. You're going to keep it or you're going to give it back to Aaron? You're going to keep it or you're going to give it back to Aaron? Crickets. Let me translate that for you. What are you going to do with the ball? Translation. I'll tell you what I'm not going to do with the ball. Give it back to the guy who just turned it around 500 feet. And then you had that wild scene after the catch. The Associated Press game story described it like this, and I'm not making any of it up. Quote, as he walked through a concourse in the outfield at Globe Life Field, high-fiving other fans and surrounded by a sea of cameras, it was almost as if Corey Yeomans had hit a huge home run. End of quote. Now, I know exactly what every last one of you dopes. I'm not saying you're all dopes. I'm just, I'm just reaching out to that special brand of dope, and you know who you are. So let's be very clear about that. When I say I know exactly what every last one of you dopes, 
You're not all dopes. I'm just talking to the dopes. I know what you're thinking, so Alvy, go ahead and preempt it and play this for me instead. Ron and Nicole were physically dead, and it's almost like they killed me. There you go. I cannot escape the juice or that absurd and horrific piece of audio. And no, it does not work here either because that logic will never work. It's not like the dude who caught the home run hit the home run. All right? It's not like the guy who offed those two people was offed by them himself. And it's almost like they killed me. No, it's not, Juice. It's nothing like that. You actually did kill them. It's not like they killed you. You did kill them. It's not like Yeomans, whoever he is, hit the home run. He caught the home run. Sorry, clones. You can't have your fun. Take that crap someplace else. So, no, it's not like the dude hit a home run. No offense to the AP pool guy who wrote that story. Aaron Judge hit the home run. Why is everybody trying to take this moment away from Aaron Judge? It's like Baroid, Baroid, Baroid. Yeomans. Like, Yeomans is getting as much run as Judge. Come on, man. I mean, good for this guy. He's holding a lottery ticket and knows to cash it. But can we make this about Judge? Judge hit the Ionic home run. Yeomans is holding on to the Ionic lottery ticket. Ionic. Except this time, the lottery ticket will be cashed. With all due respect to Yeomans, you don't need to be an investment banker or work in finance to know that that ball is worth something. Hell, you don't even need to own a credit card to know what you got in your hand. Watching that Yankee fan jump the rail, which was incredible. That, that's the guy who's not getting credit. All right? That's selling out. That's laying out. Watching that dude jump the rail reminded me of that one NFL fan who jumped out of the stands to catch a random field goal in a Packers-Bear game back in the day. Do you remember this? Hey, we've seen some great plays on the field tonight, but how you're going to see something off the field that's a classic here. Follow the ball as it goes up the tunnel from the right side of your screen. Watch this fella jump out of the stand into the tunnel. He appears to be at least 10 feet off the ground, if not more. This is a don't try this. No, don't try this. There he goes off into space. He catches the ball, goes all the way down the tunnel. And folks, the guy's all right. He's back in his seat. He just signed a three-year deal with the Bears. Edgar Bennett picks up two. Jerry Jones just called and signed him. This guy's back up in his seat. I Do you remember this? The dedication to Kraft is incredible. Perfectly timed, not giving a damn where he lands. Anyway, I'm not telling you not to go big. Always shoot your shot. But bro, bro, that ball was not even close to you. Get your eyes checked. Was the light in your eyes? Maybe he was trying to play the carom. Maybe it was one of those Dennis Rodman things where he played the angle. Like he just knew innately where the ball was going to go. Maybe he thought that it was going to ricochet and there'd be a mad scramble down below. Good thinking, but it's kind of hard to scramble if both of your legs are shattered. That dude coming over the railing was incredible. Pace closed. Did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 23 seconds? 
October is Fire Prevention Month, and we have teamed up once again with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety to help protect your entire home with safety that you know you can trust. Smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. Having enough First Alert smoking carbon monoxide alarms is one of the very best things that you can do for your home and your family. So install alarms on every level and in every bedroom of your home. Then, once the alarms are installed, it is important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. Remember, alarms do not last forever, and they do need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you can't remember the last time you replaced your alarm, it is best to replace the unit completely. And along with alarms, fire extinguishers are essential. Make sure to place fire extinguishers on every level and in common spaces like the kitchen, and be sure you know how to use them. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at the home with your family, go to firstalert.com slash fire prevention month and there is a new documentary dropping on netflix this friday it's called the redeem team i have already seen it it's a tremendous documentary and featured prominently is mike shashevsky and he joins us right now mike it is great to visit with you mike how are things good i i didn't know that you had retired coaches on your show so that that's uh, thank you for looking out for the old guys. Hey, Mike, I do have to have over 1,200 wins for sure. <laughs> it's great to talk to you. Hey, always good to have a chance to talk to you. Mike, let's just jump right into it. For those who do not remember or maybe do not know, can you help me set the scene? Why was the 2008 USA team known as the Redeem Team? Well, it was known as the Redeem Team uh, because in four of the previous five, uh, major championships, either Olympics, Olympics, and every then two years later would be the World Championships. Two years, that was that cycle, and uh, the U.S. had lost in four of the previous five, and uh, a big reason it it lost was because there wasn't enough time given to develop a, a culture, and uh, and uh, so that redeem team. Uh, they had to qualify in 2007 for the Olympics, and then they not only won, but they established a culture uh, uh, that has been built on. And, uh, and the commitment, there are a few of the guys were on those teams that lost, and they stayed with it, you know, whether it be Carmelo, Dwayne, uh, uh, LeBron, you know, and uh, and that word commitment is so it, it comes across so well during the uh, during the the documentary, but also uh, the continuity. They then they were part of it even when we lost. They accepted responsibility, and then they didn't point fingers, and then they won, and then they committed again and again. Carmelo played on four teams. LeBron, uh, you know, played on uh, two. And uh, so I, I love that uh, continuity, commitment, culture. Mike Krzyzewski is joining us now. Those guys, there were those key players that were on the team that lost prior to, and they wanted to come back and they wanted to make it right. right. Mike, 
Kobe was not on that team. And you have to understand that this was a very different time and they were at different points of their careers and their lives. LeBron says in the doc that he was surprised that Kobe even wanted to be a part of this team. How badly did you want Kobe on that team? And what was his response when you approached him? Well, he, you know, he was going to be on the, uh, he was going to be on earlier, but he, he, he was not able to commit. And then, yeah, I recruited him out of high school and he wasn't going to go to college anyway. But, uh, you know, we tried to, you know, we just kept, kept recruiting him and, but it wasn't hard. He, Kobe wanted to represent his country. And at, at that time, this is 2008, Kobe was the guy in the NBA. Not that there wasn't all these other guys, but he was the guy. And I think, Jim, he understood deeply his responsibility uh, to his country and that he was needed on that team. And uh, uh, I, I think the documentary captures what he did and how the relationships, the friendships that he developed with all of these guys, which was paramount to the success of the team, especially the relationship between he and LeBron. And the two of them, um, they, they were so good to, together. And uh, uh, he, he, Kobe was the old soul. You know, he, even at, I think he was 28 at the time. He may have been 20, somewhere in, in that in that range. And uh, uh, and I think people will love seeing the camaraderie, the friendship that friendships that develop between Kobe and the and the rest of the guys. Mike Shashevsky is joining us. Mike, you're so right. I was watching that. And you have to remember at that time, Kobe, Kobe was always different and that Kobe kind of stayed to himself and his family. And it is amazing the way he came together with the team. There's also this incredible story, Mike, in the doc about how the entire team goes out one night to go to the club, <laughs> except for Kobe. Right. And you're already chuckling. Right. Tell this story. They all come struggling back in or straggling back in around 530 in the morning and Kobe's up and he's in the lobby. What was he doing and what was their reaction? Well, they and not that they were doing crazy things, right. but they were, you know, they, they were out and Kobe, they were going up on the elevator. Kobe was going down. He was going down to the health club. He was doing his workout at 5, 530 in the morning. And these guys were amazed by that. And, you know, when we talk about leadership, there's vocal leadership, but there's also leadership by example. And Kobe, Kobe led by example. A few mornings later, Kobe wasn't the only guy down there. And a few mornings after that, not, not that everyone was down at uh, 5.30 in the morning, but a lot of them were. But before we had breakfast uh, as a team, every guy eventually was doing something before breakfast, uh, you know, in that, uh, you know, lifting or working out before the, the breakfast as a result of that. It was, uh, to be quite frank with you, I didn't know that that happened until the documentary. <laughs> funny, funny. Yeah. yeah. It, it's amazing, Mike. Even LeBron, LeBron looks in the camera during the doc and says, dude, yo, we all knew this dude's different. This dude's different. Yeah. There's also Mike, Mike Krzyzewski joining us. There's this amazing moment, Mike, where he had Spain in group play. For those who don't know this story, they right. obviously were a great threat for the gold. 
there's this moment to start the game, and Kobe told everybody what was going to happen before the game started. What then happened, and what was the reaction of his teammates? Well, he knew because he's such a student. All those guys were such, Jim, such students of the game. They, they really understand the game at a high level. And Kobe knew from what, us watching tape, you know, what their first play was going to be. And uh, it was Paul Gasol, who was his teammate, his brother uh, uh, with the Lakers. And he knew, he felt he needed to make a statement to his own team to let them know, you know, look, I'm with you guys, not with Powell. And so he says, Powell sets, he's going to set a screen right towards the, in the lane or a little bit out of the lane. And uh, I'm going to run right through him. And, uh, uh, and he did, <laughs> he ran, he ran right through him and then, you know, walked away and he got called for a foul. And, uh, in the, in, in the documentary, Powell even talks about it. And Powell's like one of the great players, obviously of all time, but also one of the great guys. And he said, yeah, I'm not sure he was only trying to send a message to his teammates. I think he was trying to send a message to us. Also, but uh, it, it our guys were shocked. You know, the expressions of those guys telling that story tell you, like, you know, look, there's a lot of talk in a locker room before a game, and sometimes there's not very much action. What to, what Kobe said he was going to do, he did, and he did it at on this large stage, uh, the international stage. It was Mike, it was a, a great moment. But it was an amazing moment, Mike. What he said was, I'm going to run right through that mother bleeper. And I, I don't know what was more amazing, Mike, him actually running through that mother bleeper or the reaction of his teammates who saw it and were like, oh, my belief. Like, it, it's a goosebump moment. Mike, so you beat – and our, i got to pick our spots carefully because we're running out of time. But you beat Spain in the gold medal in a truly amazing game, a yeah. truly intense game. You know, when you think back on that game, what do you think of first or what do you remember most personally? Well, the, the tension, you know, is the bit most pressure I've ever felt as a coach. And both LeBron and Kobe got in foul trouble uh, in, in the second quarter. And it you know, hurt us. Tayshawn Prince actually came in and got three big buckets for us and played eight minutes and helped us. But when it was 91, I think it was 91-89 with just over uh, eight minutes to go and there's a timeout, it's the – most pressure timeout I've ever been a part of. And our guys came in, and as I started to talk, Kobe said, Coach, we got this. Then Dwayne said something. LeBron, we had that kind of camaraderie. We never drew up a play. Uh, Kobe said, Coach, this is what we've trained for. You know, he could not wait to be in this moment. And then he responded, Dwayne responded, our team responded, and and we won. And I think those guys felt that it's one of the great games they've ever been a part of. Amazing. Also, I hear you say that you've never felt so nervous during a game. It's This documentary is on Netflix. It drops on Friday, as I mentioned. I've already seen it. It is an incredible watch. Coach K is featured prominently throughout the doc. Mike, really good to spend time. I always wish we had more time together, but I'm so glad that you and I could get caught up, that you came back on the show today to talk about it. The documentary is amazing, and it's so good to have you back, Mike. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, thanks for that. And I, I think it's, Jim, I think it's a great time for our U.S. basketball community 
young and old middle to uh, to see this uh, because it, it it they really were an outstanding team of amazingly talented individuals and uh, but they were a team and uh, and they won. Hey, Jim Rome here. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you will ever own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. No joke. Try a pizza on the egg. It is incredible. Stop wasting money on grills that you replace every few years. We've all been there and done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg, a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source. There's no need to plug it in. With the playoffs and holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. You heard me. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com and have it sent to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Dabo Sweeney is my guest. Dabo, it's been a moment or two since you and I got a chance to chop it up. How is life right now, and how are things in your world? Yes, sir. Good good to be with you again, Jim. It's good. Everything's good. Just, you know, in the, hard to believe we're already going into game six. Um, you know, we started, I guess, August 3rd for us, and, and uh, but it's, it's going well. You know, our team has, has come together. We've, we've had some, um, you know, really uh, tough challenges and two really good wins back-to-back and just starting to see the growth and maturity of our guys. We've got a team that I think's got some heart and belief and, and uh, you know, have, have won different ways. So, you know, it's good. It's good. Like everybody, you got a few guys banged up here or there that you, you're having to uh, overcome that. But we're excited about a, a road trip up to Boston against a, a always, a, always a tough team, man. They're always one of the more physical teams you play. And so, but everything's, everything's good. I hope you're well. Yeah, I'm doing great myself, Dabble. You answered a few of my questions right there. I was going to ask you, how do you feel about this group so far? You answered that. You already touched on the fact that you are a little bit banged up. And you've got yourself a road trip, Boston College. Now, of course, your first ever win as head coach came against Boston College back in 2008. What do you remember about that day? And looking back, is there any way or could you have had any idea how big that day would be for you and your career? <laughs> no, you know, I'll tell you, I, I mean, you only get one first win, right? You know, if you if you're lucky enough and you and you you know hang around long enough, maybe you can win, you know, more than one championship or conference championship or or whatever division, whatever. But you only get one first win, and that was that was uh, that was a really special moment. And to be honest with you, you know, if, if we don't win that game, I'm I'm probably not talking to you, um, or maybe I'm somewhere else talking to you, but. It was a great win for us. That was a tough, obviously, that was the interim transition. And, and um, you know, we, we really needed something positive to happen to just kind of help us pull those guys together to, to, you know, try to finish well. And we did. We finished four and two. And, and that was enough for them to give me a chance uh, to, to, you know, be the permanent head coach, and, you know, and see how I would do. So, 
man, I'm forever grateful for uh, that group of guys. But I'll never forget that because it was just um, – it was you know, we got up 17 nothing. They roared back, and, I mean, we had to just – we had to find a way, man. C.J. Spiller took a kick return back almost to the house and ran out of gas, and then we threw a touchdown pass to Aaron Kelly. And it was just one of those uh, great moments. D-Mac, DeAndre McDaniel had a huge hit to end the game, and, and it was just a really, really special moment in the locker room and, and just a lot of joy, honestly, um, you because know, it had been a really tough year uh, for those guys. And a lot of those guys are on my staff now, to be honest with you. There's several, several of those guys that were on that team that are now – working for me. Uh, my receiver coach, my OL coach, CJ Spillers, our running backs coach, Ricky Saps in the weight room. Um, and uh, Antoine McLean is, is in our player development program. Um, Cavell Connor, who was a linebacker, he's he's a, a defensive analyst. So we've got a lot of guys. So it'll be a special trip. We'll probably take a maybe a group shot or something. And um, one I'll never forget. And I always enjoy going up there and just got a lot of respect for Boston College, who they are as a university and a, and a school, but um, definitely one that, that I'll never forget. I think that is so cool. The retelling of that story is amazing, actually. Dabo Sweeney joining us. And then when you talk about culture, when you bring these guys back and they want to come home and be a part of this thing, that's how you have culture and how it takes hold. Let me ask you this. When you think Boston College today, obviously one of the first things you think about is wide receiver Zay Flowers because, well, he's a dude now. You know they're going to find a way to get him the ball because that's what you do when you have a guy like that. What's the plan for slowing him down? Yeah, so uh, so I said uh, to the team was, you know, where's Waldo uh, every snap? I mean, he's Waldo. I mean, it is this guy is he's really really special. I mean, he can fly. He's got he can he he's not a big guy, but he plays big. He he plays long. He goes up and and, and gets the ball. Uh, he's a great route runner. Uh, he's explosive. I mean, he's a really really. And they move him everywhere. You know, he's not a guy that just, you know, plays one spot and you kind of scheme him up. I mean, he's all over the place. They'll get him bunch sets and they'll put him at all three different spots in the bunch set. They'll put him on the backside of a three-by-one. I mean, they, they'll screen it to him. They'll, they'll hand it to him and like he's a running back. He's a returner. I mean, he does everything. So, you know, you have to have a plan for him. And uh, we certainly have worked hard this week to – to make sure, again, we know where Waldo is and that we, we, we pay attention to him. And you better you better take the post away because if you don't, he's going to take the lid off the top in a heartbeat. So you just have to know where he is. And then, you know, you can't get lulled to sleep because, you know, they've got other good players and those two backs are really strong and powerful. And then uh, Jerkovic, their quarterback, who seems like he's been there 10 years, he's, uh, he's a big, strong guy. You don't think of him as a – as you know this great runner but but he really is effective you know he had about a 40 yard run last week he's a very effective runner and he's and he's a hard guy to tackle very difficult I mean he's one of those guys that you can be around two legs and he still throws the ball so you know they're they're they had a a rough start Uh, I've had a lot of transition in their offensive line but they seem like they've settled down a little bit Uh, but they're always one of the best defenses I mean and even now I mean they're one of the best defenses out there they're very good up front they're sound in the secondary they got eight starters back so uh you know we'll get the best version of them especially coming off a big win against louisville and it's a home game night game national tv the red bandana game all that stuff so um It'll be, uh, we'll have to play well. And it's going to be physical. It always is. And especially when you go to their place and to your point, dabble under the lights, they'll all be ready. Speaking of quarterbacks, what about DJU? He scored it 
to ice it against North Carolina State. I've got to ask you about that touchdown. Who called that play, and how many times did you practice that play? <laughs> well, I called the play, but and and we've never practiced that play. But uh, <laughs> you know, amazing. it was just a, it was just kind of. You know, in the moment, and uh, I mean, we go under center and we'll run the ball some, but we had not run just a you know quarterback keep out the back door or anything like that. And and uh, but I just felt like in that situation they were probably going to sell out. We cut our split of our receiver, ran the corner off, and and it was one of two things. He, you know, that's what I told him. He, we're either going to just don't take a big hit and and stay in bounds, and we'll kick the field goal and extend the lead, or they're probably going to overplay it, and and you're probably going to just pop right out the back door here if you make a good fake. So. It worked out, and uh, it was a fun way to end it uh, for sure. And you know, especially for DJ, because I mean, he had he had 73 yards and, and two you know two rushing touchdowns. So it was a big night for him. That's been the biggest part of his game uh, that's improved this year. Is he's just been so good with his legs for us, and in, 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 you know, both running the ball, but also creating and extending. Um, and his confidence is really high, I think, and that's a part of it. So it was a big play and a good way to finish that game against a, a, a really tough team. Of course, he played his high school ball not far from where I'm broadcasting from right here. The next 60 seconds is dedicated to every small business owner whose company was disrupted or shut down during the pandemic. You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes. If you have five to 500 employees and you paid wages and health care costs during COVID, you may be eligible to receive an employee tax credit of up to $26,000 per an employee. Even if your CPA told you you do not qualify or you already received a PPP loan in the past, Omega Accounting Solutions has helped thousands of small businesses recover more than $400 million in ERC cash. In fact, many CPAs and payroll companies turn to Omega for ERC tax guidance. Just goes to show how trusted, knowledgeable, and well-regarded they are. And with over 50 15 years of experience in financial management, business leadership, and corporate strategy combined, you can count on Omega every step of the way. To learn more about the employee tax credit or to schedule a quick and easy free 10-minute ERC consultation, call 1-800-704-2000 or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com today. Dabo Sweeney joining us. So, Dabo, I know you got a lot on your plate. You're in it right now. But I want to ask, have you had much time to keep tabs on Trevor Lawrence this season? And if so, how does he look to you in Doug Peterson's system? Yeah, he's, he looks great. I mean, he, I know he, I know he had some, they had some uh, ball security problems this past week, some fumbles and stuff. But he just looks, he looks so, so much better. He looks great. I mean, he really does. I'm proud of him. I keep up with him. I, I, I actually um, – uh, I was messing with him a week or so ago because my kids, I've never, I don't, I don't know what fantasy football is. I don't understand it. And uh, but my kids um, uh, talked me and my wife into doing a, a team this year. And so, of course, I draft all my Clemson guys, right? I mean, I that's why it's just kind of how I go about it. And so I was, I was giving him a hard time because I need some points for Travis Etienne. He's killing me. I need some points, and because uh, I'm losing every week to my kids here, and so it's not real good, but. Uh, not a very good fantasy guy, but anyway, uh, keep up with him. He looks great. Um, you know, they look better, much better as a team. And, and uh, I know they had a tough one this week, but, you know, they just, I think they've got a chance to have a much, much better season and, and something that they can really build off of, um, you know, throughout the year and then into and onward. But 
I really like Doug. I mean, he, his son actually goes to Clemson, and uh, we've spent a good bit of time together over the past several years, and just a guy I really like and respect. He's a great quarterback guy, and I think he's been excellent for Trevor. Dab, I don't know what's funnier to me, that you've become fantasy guy, and you would say to one of your former guys, hey, man, you're killing me, or yeah. the fact that you just mentioned ETN, and one of my guys on my staff immediately said to me, good, he's killing me too. <laughs> Tell Doug to get him the ball. Yeah, I got to get him the ball, man. I'm going to have to call Doug on that. Or, you know, my wife is beating me, uh, so – you know, but I, I'm going to live and die with my with my Tigers. Um, I kind of built my whole team around them. But yeah, I'm I'm figuring it out. I, I you know I still don't I don't understand all the rules and how you how you you know uh, edit guys or what do you call it uh, move them up and down and IR and I'm I don't do a good enough job of keeping up. I had a guy active that was on the IR. That's probably not real smart. So. Uh, I got to do better. I'll figure it out. It's the great equalizer, fantasy football. That's really funny stuff. Dabble, one last thought. The ACC has got four teams ranked in the top 25 right now. In terms of depth and overall talent, where would you rank the conference this season compared to years past? It's strong. It really is, especially, you know, uh, the Atlantic. I mean, every it's it's the year of the quarterback. I mean, there's a bunch of quarterbacks in the ACC this year that, that you're going to see playing on Sunday, a bunch of them, and it seems like we play one every week. Uh, there's just a lot of guys, man, and, and I think a very competitive group. Um, you know, so a lot of talent, a lot of guys I think will be drafted out of the ACC this year. And, and uh, you know, Wake Forest is a team that doesn't get a lot of credit. I mean, they got a bunch of fifth- and sixth-year seniors. And NC State, that bunch we just played, same thing, a bunch of really good – veteran guys on both sides that quarterback Leary's a great player we're getting ready to play Jerkovic he's a great player we got to go down to Florida State and play you know their quarterback Louisville's got a great quarterback Syracuse has a great quarterback it just seems like you know everybody we play uh you know has a dude and uh, when you got a quarterback you've got a chance to win against anyone so I think um I think the league is very competitive and can anything can happen any week so you better show up and be ready Good stuff. Clemson ranked fifth right now nationally. They're unbeaten. They're 5-0, and 3-0 and in ACC play. Another big challenge coming up on Saturday night. Under the lights, Clemson at Boston College. The head coach, Dabo Sweeney, my guest. Dabo, it had been a moment or two, so so good to have you back. I always appreciate the conversation and the relationship. Dabo, great to have you. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jim. Hey, you stay well, Who's man. Who's going to set the tone? First one. And by the way, if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, there it is. The famous Tower of Beef. Hey, Rome, my beef is with the people who ask you to help them move only to show up and nothing is packed in boxes. If we're going to give up a Saturday to help you with your life, the least you can do is make sure you're actually ready to move. Jeff from PDX. That's always a big ask, isn't it? Hey, yo, man, can you help me move? Can you help me build my house? Hey, Rome, here's my beef. I go grab lunch with a few people a couple of times a week. One of them is, are you going to finish that guy? This son of a bitch always orders a cup of soup or a side salad and then proceeds to eat fries or whatever off of everybody's plate. Sure enough, at the end of the meal, he asks the question, are you going to finish that? We've all wised up to his S and finish every last bite of our lunch, no matter how full we are. Order your own food, Scott, you cheapskate. Chad from Orlando. You know, when I first saw that, this paragraph this guy wrote, I was going to lecture this guy about, come on, man. It's a beef segment. Bam, 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 keep moving. But I'm so glad I didn't. That's incredible. 
are you going to finish that guy ordering a side salad than eating off everybody else's plate? Romy, my beef is with adults who don't eat the crust on a slice of pizza. Grow the hell up and finish what you started. Blake in Denver. Hey, I'm with you, Blake. I always eat the crust. It's kind of hard to make the argument, too, right? Like, yeah, well, I don't want those calories. It's pizza, yo. You're already eating pizza. What do you mean you don't want the crust? You don't want the bread. Well, but you'll eat the cheese. You don't like crust. Who doesn't like crust? I'm with Blake. Susie from Wisco. Hi, Jim. I have hashtag beef with the phrase please and thank you. The courtesy of your request is nullified by the apparent expectation I will do your bidding. Please don't talk to me like that. Wow. Seuss, easy. Jim, I have a beef with pen clicker guy. You know that person at work, every time they're in a room or in a meeting, that they're pumping their thumb up and down on the knob of their pen like there is no tomorrow, while all we hear is that click, click, click pulsating through our ears. Do us a favor. Put the pen down or stick it somewhere. Jason in Bend, Oregon. You know what I like about that? It's original. We have not had that beef ever on this show. Jim, my beef is with my husband. Now, we've had that one before on this show. Can't wait to read the rest of it. My beef is with my husband. He can't remember our anniversary date, the kids' birthdays, the neighbors' names, but he can quote verbatim lines from movies 30 years ago. The next time he says, we're going to need a bigger boat, I'm going to send him off in one. Donna in Detroit. War Lady Clones. War Lady Clones. That is so good. I love that. <laughs> I love everything about that. This guy can't remember anything important, but he's got every line from every damn movie in the past 30 years. Rome, my beef is with convertible guy with the top down in wintertime. You look like a tool, and I hope you freeze your ass off. Chad in Ottawa. Hashtag war self-gloss. I don't agree with any of that. Ed Miggs in the 562. My beef is with the bags that drive with a foot hanging outside the car. They think they're so cool with the bottom of their hooves are blocked from all the dirt. Put some shoes on and keep your feet inside the vehicle. Huh? Ed at Golf Hammer 22. My beef. Dudes who can't cleanly grab an object handed to them without making hand-to-hand contact. Someone asks for a pen, you hand it to them, barely grasping the end, and they still grab your hand three fingers deep. Idiots, keep your nasty gummy worm fingers off mine. <laughs> Another good one. Jim. Philly fan has a beef with the jungle karma created with the great interviews with Bryce Harper. Philly's break 11-year playoff drought. Eagles undefeated and legit Super Bowl contenders. Hell, even Sixers have Larden go Harden. You are leaving us nothing to bitch about. JD and Philly. JD, you know why that is? Because I love y'all. I love Philly. I'm trying to help. I know you feed off hate. I'm here to spread love. You know me. 
Hey, Rome. Good show, dude. Good show, dude. My beef is with Willie in KC, the Pete Rose of the jungle. This dude was one of the absolute best callers ever, and then he made one regrettable call. Come on! He's still part of the show every single day. Alvy, help me out here. Come on, horse face. Hey, John. Hey, John. Willie, your Shawshank apology wasn't going to work, obviously. Get back up in here with a better and more sincere apology. Then you can get back to bagging on St. Louise again. Court. Interesting take. Rometown Buffet. My beef is with Giselle. We're the only ones allowed to take rings away from Tom Brady. Signed Eli Manning and Nick Afalis Foles. V in the fee. Come on, V. Wore DK Mudcalf. Wearing number two next week. V, you're something else, dude. Like, I really like you, V, as a dude, but some of your stuff is just garbage. garbage. War DK. Like, I like you. Normally when I say to somebody or I point out to a clone, shut up, James Kelly. James Kelly's like, that's awesome. Kelly's the worst. Kelly, you really are the worst, dude. You're worse than the worst clone, James Kelly, because I pay you. You're on staff. You're part of the show. You are so much more one of them than one of us, Kelly. If you didn't go 5-1-1, one, and one, you'd be out there on your ass with them. I, I knew the second I read War DK Mudcalf wearing number two next week, that James Kelly would just be blowing me up. Yes! That's incredible! He's two for me! Seriously, Big Head, you're a moron. Sometimes you are just moronic, dude. And so easy to read. I know the second I read something like that, that I'm going to hear from you. Let's see what else we got here. At Because You Don't Know writes, My beef is with the farmer's market that I get dragged to. Why does everyone who, quote, works there have dirty feet, a burlap bag for a dress, and dirty dreadlock hair? You're selling food, not LSD at a fish concert. Give me my $15 arugula and take a shower, weirdo. It's pretty strong. (laughs) Hey, Rome, I have a beef with you, Rome. Your tremendous rant on half of TB45's face was freaking hilarious. How did it not jump the day? Aaron in Iowa, I guess it just did. The Angry Bird tweets, Jimbo. My beef is with the clones who absolutely have to stick an Orenthal reference into everything. There is no such thing as six degrees of Orenthal. Hashtag what's your beef, right? Agreed, dude. Great beef. Best beef yet. Jim, I got beef with a muscle head in the gym wearing earbuds passing gas loudly. Just because you can't hear it doesn't mean the rest of us don't. Bill. Jim. I have beef with pizza crust guy. I don't eat mine because I give them to my dog for treats. Plus, the crust 
causes constipation. That's interesting. Feeds his dog the crust. Steven the 719. Ian's in. Jim, I've got a beef with the guy that says to eat the crust on a pizza. You know why I don't eat that plain, boring crust? There is no sauce, cheese, or toppings. Ian, in the natty, or the Bengals, being the new America's team. Listen, I'm not going to die on that hill. If you don't want to eat the crust, don't eat the crust. I eat the crust. That's not the hill I'm going to die on. I will battle. I will go to battle for a lot of things. That's not one of them. Don't at me on that. You don't have to eat the crust. I'm not going to say you're wrong. Feed it to your dog. I don't care. Rodster. Hey, Rome. My beef is with pen clicker hater. Hey, bud. We clicked the pen so we can listen to your boring presentation awake. All right. One more before I go to the phones. Hey, Rome. My beef is the moment I hear the words, let's go to the phones. Turn the beef segment. At this point, it's strictly all downhill, and we can only expect randos to try to get airtime by sharing a bad beef, then regurgitating something said a billion times on the show, trying to be funny. Email and tweet beefs for life. Signed, everyone. Let's find out. That's kind of funny. Let's find out if that's how that's going to go. Let's go to Stephanie in Maine. Stephanie, good to have yeah. you. What's your beef? Hey, hey Rom. Uh, well, my big... Biggest beef right now is Tom Brady. I can't believe what he's doing to his life. He should have stayed retired. I love the guy. I love him on the Patriots. Love him on Buccaneers. But, man, he's ruining his life. He should have just quit where he was, you know? I know, Stephanie. All right. More lady clones. I don't know More if she's upset clones. with him ruining the team or if she's upset with his play or upset with what's left of his face. She's just upset with Tom Brady. All right, let's go to Philly. John in Philly. John, what's your beef? Jim, my beef is with the guy who's had major surgery six weeks ago. I'm eating my breakfast, and now he wants to yank his shirt up to show me the scar. I don't want to see your scar. You shouldn't be showing it to me, and your wife shouldn't have to look at it, Frankenstein. I'm out. (laughs) My man, what do you think? Why do you think I just said I love Philly? My beef is with the guy who had surgery six weeks ago who's taking off his shirt to show me his scar. I shouldn't have to see it, and neither should his wife, Frankenstein. Dude, you nailed it, Rackham. How you going to top that? That was so good. That Frankenstein blast at the end, that was awesome. Let's go to San Antonio, Ed. By the way, so far so good on the phones. Ed, good to have you. What's your beef? Hey, Jim. Yeah, my beef is Amazon Prime football login. Yeah, I was one of the guys a few weeks ago trying to program the TV one minute before kickoff, and no, my girlfriend says, why don't you watch it on your phone? Well, because I'm not 13 years old. Why don't you make me a sandwich? <laughs> so if I had to go next door, ask my neighbor, hey, can your six-year-old come over and program my TV? Now my neighbor won't talk to me. And, and I'm guessing, Ed, neither were your girlfriend because you said, why don't you make me a sandwich? <laughs> Incredible. He says to his girlfriend, can you put this up on my TV? And she says, no, why don't you watch it on your phone? No, why don't you make me a sandwich? Wow, dude. 
There's nothing right about that, that entire call, and yet I'm laughing. This is one of our better phone call beef segments. Let's try another one. How about we go to Appleton? Christopher, good to have you. What's your beef, Christopher? Hey, thanks a lot for taking my call. So my beef is when I'm going down the road and I come to a lane closure, and let's say the left lane is closing, and then everybody backs up on the right lane for a mile, and then I go down the left lane and try to get in, and that guy doesn't let me in. My beef was with, with people who don't let me in in the construction. It's literally called the zipper method. It's the rule of the DMV. Google it. Zipper method. Let me in. I'm not a jerk. Unbelievable. Did he just say it's the zipper method? Let me in. I'm not a jerk. Because I have to admit, I'm not familiar with the zipper method. And I always think you're a jerk if you do that. And the reason I really resent that is, frankly, I don't have the sack to do it. Good night, 